Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganesi, joined as always by Nima Tavalli, our first Italian Football Podcast of 2024. First of all, for all of those who celebrated Christmas, hope you all had a, had a lovely time. And for everyone else, Happy New Year's for 2024. We wish you peace, we wish you good health uh, and good times ahead um, for the year ahead. Um, on today's show, we will be reacting to the final match day of 2023 that was played on Friday and Saturday. Juventus cut Inter's lead at the top of the table to two points. Stefano Pioli at Milan buys some time. The crisis goes on at Napoli and the race for fourth really hots up with a number of teams now playing for fourth. We'll also react to the first few big transfer movements of the new year. Of course, the January transfer window has opened. Uh, Tejon Buchanan is set to sign for Inter. Napoli are closing in on Lazar Samadzic from uh, Udinese's replacement for Elgif uh, Elmas. Uh, and Genoa also set to sell Radu Dragozin to, to Tottenham. So those are three transfers in particular that we will, will look at. Um, for all our first-time listeners, this is our free weekly episode that we usually do every Monday, but we're doing on Tuesday uh, this week because of, the, because of New Year's Day. Uh, and what we always do every Monday is we review the weekend Serie action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all of our content that we do throughout the week, including a weekly Q&A episode, which we do usually every Tuesday, where we answer all the questions from our patrons, plus the, the usually we do a weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction and much, much more, then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become a subscriber for just $2.99 a month plus VAT. Uh, you can also now sign up to be a paid subscriber on Spotify, which we will provide a link in the description for, and it's the same price and the same terms. And also for all of those of you who do listen on Spotify, Apple and iTunes podcasts, we'd really appreciate if you give us a five-star rating, um, give us a follow and a like, because we're also on YouTube. Um, it really helps us to grow and do more quality content for you guys. So let's get into today's show. Okay, so let's start off with a, with a little review. We won't overdo this because the games were a few days ago now of um, the, the weekend matches, the last matches of... 2023, which saw Juventus cut the lead, Inter's lead at the top of the table to two points. Um, we'll start off with the Juventus-Roma game. Um, Juventus beaten Roma 1-0. Um, and um, I think that this was a, a game that, um, well, first of all, Juventus had to win this game because Inter had dropped points uh, on, the, on the Friday against Genoa. And this allowed Juventus to cut to two points and with one game left now in the, the first half of the season, um, it really, it, 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 I mean, it really builds things up nicely, doesn't it, Nima, for, for the second half of the season. Inter have got Verona this weekend. Juventus are away at Salernitana, so you expect both teams to win. And I mean, it's going to be a really exciting second half, half of the season now. Oh, absolutely! Um, it's uh, we we have a title race on our hands, and it's Inter versus Juve, so it's going to be spicy. Uh, it's already very spicy. Allegri has been playing his <laughs> his passive aggressive Tuscan humor digs, um, which has annoyed uh, some people. 
uh, Acerbi uh, was was not happy. Um, Simone Inzaghi, I think, is the one who's handled it brilliantly because uh, he's very calm in his character. He doesn't get phased by these things. Um, but uh, when once Allegri rattled Acerbi, he was happy. You could see it. He was so so smiling after he was, he was commenting on Acerbi's response. Um, and and he quickly, you know, the job was done. He'd rattled someone in the enemy camp, and he was happy with that. Um, but yeah, this is a, this is a title race between Inter and Juve. It's always spicy. It hasn't happened for a very, very, very long time. A real title race. I don't count the Sarri Conte as a title race because that was really over, and you know it might have been by one point, but Juve had already won it, and like the end of that season was the COVID break and, and everything. It was it was a strange season, so I don't count that as a title race. But this this season is 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 the first one where we actually have a title race at the midway point between these two sides, and it always gets spicy. the The history of it comes up, and 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 everyone starts, you know, gets really angry and emotional. And I absolutely love it. <laughs> absolutely revel in it. <laughs> yeah, you certainly do. So um, um, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, look from from Juventus's point of view in their game, <laughs> I, I I thought that um, I thought they deserved to win. For starters, I thought that they created the big chances in the game against Roma and they conceded really virtually nothing in the game. And um, that's backed up by the XG. Not 1.07 for Juventus, 0.36 for, for Roma. So not a huge XG. Juventus didn't create loads, but they created enough, I think, to deserve to win the game. And and like I said, the defence was, was very, very solid. Um, but I thought the biggest uh, positive from this game for Juventus was the performance of Dusan Vlaovic. Um, I tweeted out that mm. this was the best performance with his bat to goal since joining Juventus. And it's two years now he's been at Juve. And we've said for these two years consistently mm. how as playing as a proper centre-forward in terms of being able to hold the ball up, in terms of bringing others into play, in terms of... Uh, you know, being the wall, um, his movement, I guess, to an extent, um, his physical strength, using his body, uh, all that kind of stuff that, that, you know, that in today's modern football, a, a striker, a number nine, needs to be able to do outside of the area as well. Um, you know, he's failed miserably. Uh, he's had the odd part of a game here and there where he's done it, but I don't think he's done it very well at all and certainly not consistently. This was the first time where, from start to finish in a match, he he did the job properly. He was holding it up. He was out-muscling the Roma defenders. Uh, Lorente, in particular, he gave a real trouble to, but also to Indica, who's not who's who's pretty strong himself. Um, and yeah, he was he was bringing the other his Juventus teammates into play. He was spinning with the ball. He was rolling defenders. Did one excellent roll on Lorente. Uh, at nil-nil when Mancini made a brilliant goal-saving tackle in the, in the first half. Um, and he also obviously got the assist for the, for, for the, for the Rabiot goal. So that was the biggest positive. Um, now the question is, you know, can he take this forward, build on this and do this consistently? It's one game. It's Llorente, who, who's had a good season for Roma, but it's Llorente. He's a Leeds reject. It's not a top, top defender. So can he do this against better defenders, better teams, um, you know, different types of teams, teams that don't sit off as much as Roma do. You know, it's a, it, this was the biggest positive. Um, let's see if he, can, if he can take this forward now. 
Well, exactly. Just to echo everything you said, I think that that's the most important thing. And, you know, that's what I've been saying consistently for two years, that, you know, if you want to be a number nine at a top club, you have to be able to play with your back against the goal. Romelu Lukaku couldn't do it until he came to Inter and Conte tattooed Andrea Ranocchia for three months on his back to teach him how to do it. And now Dusan Vlaovic, who's only 23, turns 24 in, later in January, uh, will have to learn it. Has, is starting to show that he's starting to learn it now. And that's what I think. When he's able to do that, then he will offer a dimension to his game that he doesn't have, and he'll not disappear from games as much. And he'll be a handful, which he already is, because he's a physical player. He is a big guy, and he should use that more. And... If they can get him to do that, then they and, and he'll start scoring more. He's already, I think, scored six goals. I mean, he can come up to double figures and, and reinvent himself, and then he will stay at Juve and he will become the star that Juve were hoping that he would become. Um, but yeah, like you said, like this is just one game. We've seen him do this once in games before. What we need him to do now is to show that he can do it consistently and to be more involved in the goal-scoring process. That's the next step. And if he can do that, then then Juve do have the star that they bought, that they thought they bought two years ago. Yeah, it's interesting that he's been partnered by Yildiz in the last two games. He started these last two matches uh, and they actually, yeah, combined reasonably well, I think, in this game. Um, maybe not amazingly well, but <coughs> they seem to complement each other. Um, you know, they showed some signs of being able to complement each other, put it that way. Uh, and I thought Yildiz... Yildish has shown in both these two games, um, obviously he scored against Frosinone with a fantastic goal, but you know, he's shown that he has big, big talent, big, big potential, just like the natural, the natural turns. Um, he did one really great bit of play where he, on the counter in the first half, where he, he went past Llorente and then he did a left foot shot wide, like just those kind of little things that you can't really teach uh, a forward or teach a footballer. Um, yeah, he, I mean, he certainly has some, some special qualities. So it's going to be interesting kind of who who starts up front uh, in the second half of the season. I mean, there's 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 Vlaovic, who's now, you know, on the back of this game, is now putting his, his, his hat in the ring as being a, a, an important player again. And then, you know, Chiesa is, is Chiesa. If he stays fit, you know, even though it's not his preferred system, you've got Yildiz, who's, who's now starting to emerge. You know, you've got Moise Keane, who's injured at the moment, but who, okay, he hasn't scored this season, but has certainly you know, develop his all-round game. And then you've got Milik as well. So you've got five attackers there. Um, you know, they're, they're, Juventus finally, even though the, the numbers, the goal-scoring numbers are not good and Juventus are only winning by one goal and, and they're not scoring enough goals, if you look at it just, they, they do have attacking options there that if it can come together, there is goals in this team. Um, so I think that's a positive. And of course, Rabiot as well, um, you know, scored the winner. And you know he had he's having a again he's 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 having another good season uh, not as amazing as last season but last season he had the season of his career and the question marks were before he signed that one year extension you know was this just a one off season um, I think he's showing now that yeah he's he's um, it wasn't a one off season he's 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 he's, he's an important player and I for this but I think. Uh, yes, he is. He is. And it, it, I, I'm, I'm a little bit annoyed at how people have treated Rabiot in his career. I mean, uh, I actually, I, I don't get the some of the stuff that's been going at him. And, oh, he's, you know, he played for PSG, was surrounded by good players, blah, blah. No, he was actually a very good player for PSG. And he's been good for Juve. He is a good player. And, you know, I, I, I think sometimes he's, sometimes I think he's very disrespected. 
um, Rabiot. I think uh, not just by Juve fans, but football fans generally. I don't, I, I don't like how they kind of see him off as, as some sort of a mediocre player. I don't think he's a mediocre player. I don't think he's a world-class player, but he's a good player. He's a class player. Look at look at where he's been. Look at what he's done. You know, he it's not by chance that, you know, he, he continues to deliver um, in the teams that he delivers in. I mean, people conflate maybe his somewhat uh, special uh, mother and slash agent, who, who is how she is, but... Um, you know, she he is a good player, and he's always been a good player, and he's always been rather consistent in that. And I, I think he's he's doing really, really well for them. I, I, I think that I, I think the uh, criticism, I think the criticism of him was fair when he was at you know until last season. Um, I, I don't think he did enough. He certainly didn't do enough to to warrant Juventus to be a Juventus standard midfielder during those seasons. But you you know, the last season and a half, he has become. Well, he's become Juventus' most important midfielder. He's cut to the point now where you actually mm-hmm. notice when he's not playing, uh, and yeah. and so so yeah, I, I think he has been important. Um, the other, the final point on Juventus is, is the defense. The defense is is um, in many ways has been as good as Inter's defense. If you take away, well, if you take it since the Sassuolo game, it's definitely been as good as Inter's defense. It was very solid again. Uh, Roma created nothing um, since that Sassuolo match which has been the turning point of Juventus' season, uh, certainly defensively. Juventus have conceded five goals in 13 games uh, and they've only conceded three goals, um, only three goals conceded at home this season um, in the first half of the season. Um, so, you know, that is that is incredibly impressive. Uh, and the defence has had to be good because Juventus have had so many one-goal wins. This was the eighth game in a row that they've won by a goal. <laughs> so, which should be sustainable, unsustainable, but you know they're going to have to start. I, I insist what I said a few weeks ago. They are going to have to start winning by more than one goal if they're going to win this title. They can't go throughout the next seven, eighteen games winning one nil. Uh, that's just not going to be sustainable. But you know, they're they're two points behind. It's going to sound fascinating. Well, it, you see, I disagree with that. I think it is sustainable because Ma, because Max Allegri has won seventy six Serie A games one nil. So there is sustainability in this. And he's the coach with the most 1-0 wins in the Serie A in the three-point era. Um, and if you do that at Cagliari, Milan and Juve for yeah. such a long time and you take 76 wins, 1-0, well, that is the definition of being sustainable and be doing it consistently. Yeah, but he's not won 24 games. His teams get on shithouse. He's not won 24 he's games won in a row, 1-0. Games. Yeah, he's not won 24 games no, in a row, 1-0. The- no, he hasn't won 24 games in a row, 1-0, but he's won 76 games, 1-0. So there is consistency there. And so, the, you know, Juventus are in this title race. They are better than the sum of their parts. Um, I think they are overperforming a little bit, but this is what Allegri does. He He's good at this. He's good at building stability. He's good at building something when, when he can get everyone moving in the same direction and he can create something stable, which he has done defensively. I, th- I think Juventus' defense is outstanding. Um, and and they they are this 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 good. Uh, I do think there is an element of overperforming, but that doesn't matter because if you continue to win one 0 and you continue to create chances, as long as you win, who cares? And also, this notion of you know if your defense becomes one of your strong points, then that is something that the team builds pride in and and draws a sense of pride from. So I think it is sustainable. I absolutely think this this is sustainable. I think Juventus are in the title race and they're going to go 
to the end with Inter um, uh, for it's the sustainable title. If they keep having, it's sustainable if they keep, like I said a few weeks ago, it's sustainable if they keep having creating more chances in the opposition. Absolutely. It's not sustainable to, to keep winning by one goal uh, every single game for another another eight games in a row. That's not sustainable. Um, you know, they're going to have to start scoring a few more goals and taking more of their chances if they get more chances and, and, and winning a few more games. You can't, they can't have that much pressure on them. But, you know, well done to them. Roma created nothing in this game. Um, again, from Roma's point of view, Mourinho's not getting enough out of the offence at all. Uh, that's just un- that's just uh, unacceptable. With the, the 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 attacking talent that Mourinho has, regardless of, of how you well Juventus is defending, to have a 0.36 xg is not acceptable. Um, Lukaku was was there was a, a video that was put out by Juventus when when Bremer signed a new contract last week, uh, and on the video, and I thought it was a bit unnecessary to be honest, and I hope it doesn't come back to to bite Juventus. Um, where they showed uh, in the video, they showed car keys and and Ossiman and and um, uh, Rafael Liao as if to show that that Liao and Ossiman had been in Bremer's pocket this season. Um, well, Lukaku was in was in Bremer's pocket uh, in this game. I mean, he did did nothing, and just the the latest example of Lukaku flopping in a big game. He 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 has to have one of the worst records I have ever known among a, a top striker in big games throughout his career. It's abysmal, his big game record. Absolutely abysmal. He did nothing in this game. Um, but but Roma's, you know, Roma's attack didn't do enough um, at all. Um, so, yeah, it's hard, hard no, to Roma say. Roma didn't but... have an attack. It was, no. it was nothing there. Like it was, uh, it was embarrassing, um, frankly, by how Roma, <sighs> I mean, okay, Dybala just returned, he you know, had an injury, but you still should be able to create more. Um, I thought defend. I thought defensively, Roma did well, but they should be able to create more with the, with the attacking talent that they have. And it just it doesn't seem like Roma have doesn't seem like Roma have like any lines or patterns of play or any ideas when moving forward. And it's it's strange because. It's, I feel it's literally just Dybala, Lukaku, Inshallah. Like that's what it is. Here, here, boys, have fun in the final third. There's no, there's no yeah, plan. Get it up there's to no the attackers. Get it up to the attackers, and Inshallah. and hope for the best. Yeah, and hope for the best. And that's that's strange. That if Allegri can have patterns of play in his attack, then why can't Mourinho? It, mm. it, it, it's strange, and especially given how they've been there for. Well, this is Allegri's third season, isn't it? And this is Mourinho's third season, and they've been there just as long. And they should be able to. They should at least, you know, I, I, I don't see that bigger difference of a quality in the attack between Juve and, and Roma on paper, at least. And 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 in yeah. fact, I would some uh, we could even make a case that Roma have better have better attacking quality than Juve on paper. And therefore, you're thinking, well, why can't why can't you create anything? There's no, there's nothing. And and that is a worry. That is a concern. No, for sure. I mean, I wouldn't go as far as you to say patterns of play from Allegri. I think they're they're making they're create they're creating chances, um, whereas Roma aren't. Um, so I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, define that however you want. But I, I get your point. Like Juventus are creating chances this season, 
um, however it comes. No, but there are lines in how Juve play. No, there there's is, more. There is there's definitely more. There's, there's more structure to Juventus than there is at Roma. There's definitely structure mm. to Juventus's team. You know, and mm. they're creating chances. Their chance creation from open play, I think, still needs to improve at Juventus. Whereas at Roma, they're not creating in any way. Whether it's from crosses, whether it's from set pieces, which they used to be g- generally. I mean, Roma set pieces. Roma are still good at set pieces, to be fair. But but you know what I mean. They're not create. I mean, they, when you've got an XG that low, that's just abysmal. That's abysmal. And their away record is abysmal this season. They've won two, drawn two, lost five away from the Olympico this season. That has to improve. Uh, really has to improve. So, yeah, the, uh, it's hard to know what to, what to expect from Roma for the rest of the season. We'll come to the top four race um, after. We've got a segment on that. I want to come on to Inter, though, who, of course, as I said, they, 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 um, they drew with Genoa 1-1. I thought this was a... This was an Inter team that, for one of the first times this season, looked flat, I thought. They looked tired. Mm. Would you agree with that? I know I don't want to take anything away from Genoa. Yeah. Genoa were really good. And Genoa to have taken points off, off uh, uh, Juventus. Did they take points off Napoli as well, I believe? So, they, you know, they, they've done well against big teams. They've got some real quality players. Don't want to take anything away from them. They deserve the draw. But I thought Inter also, at the same time, looked, looked tired, I thought, in this game. No, look, Genoa away is not an easy game um, for 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 anyone, and and the big teams uh, have struggled there. Uh, you know, they beat Roma four <laughs> one. They they were unlucky to lose to Milan. They they drew Juve. They drew Napoli. You know, they they're a good side, uh, especially at home, Genoa. So it's uh, you know you you know when you go to Genoa away, it's going to be a difficult game. It's as simple as that, but. Um, regardless, Inter weren't weren't switched on for this game. Um, he, it, it just didn't look like a game where Inter were mentally there. They looked tired. I think tired is a good word. I think they looked a bit flat. They were lacked intensity. They were a bit tired. You know, losing Lautaro midweek game, the hundred and twenty minutes against Bologna. You know, kind of messed with their heads a little bit as well. I think. Thinking about you know losing that uh, the way that they lost it they were they were missing missing penalties and they were you know in control of that game should have won it in ninety but instead they lost it um, but they you know and, and of course Jan Sommer making his first real big mistake it happens you know I think a draw away to Genoa is not the end of the world uh, it, it is a difficult place to go um, but I still think there are positives to draw from this for Inter I mean Arnautovic makes an assist the other week, back heel, nice assist, and then now he scores. You know, his his he didn't, I don't think his link up with Turam was very good, but still there was an assist there. So, you know, there are positives to draw from this, but, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world. And when, you know, if, if Inter are not going to win 20 games in a row uh, to win the Scudetto, if they're going to win the Scudetto, they're going to drop points and people need to calm down and not panic as soon as they do. And that's why I don't like how Acerbi reacted. Um, I don't like that he was rattled the way that he was. And he was rattled. Um I think he is one of the more experienced senior players in that dressing room. And as such, he should have more experience and should be more calm and controlled and composed and not let Allegri tease him the way that Allegri evidently has teased and annoyed him. Um, that could also be just because, you know, immediately after the game, 
you know, players are annoyed because they haven't won or they've not played well or whatever. And, you know, you come off a bit more cranky, but still there, you should have more experience and we can be more in control of what you're saying. Um, and I think it was unnecessary because he became a talking point. Um, and the last thing the inter environment needs is, is for, for things like that. Um, because it is a very unstable environment uh, as it is. And I think you need, you need, you need to be cool and calm and collected. Inter just need to focus on themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Inzaghi, the way, like I said earlier, I think the way that he handled it when he was responding to Allegri, completely relaxed, calm, controlled, said, look, you know, if you want to talk to us about winning the Scudetto and that we're built to win the Scudetto, well, you know, we, we look at the look at the profits from the transfer markets that we've done the last few years. We Last summer was the first time we did plus minus zero. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I agree. That, I agree. Did. I think Inter have nothing to gain from getting involved in a in an exchange with. No, 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 no. I think the way that Inzaghi try, handled it, I was try really happy mind to see how he spoke about it. Yeah, I think you try and play mind games yeah. if you if you're the weaker if you're the weaker if you're the weaker. Yeah. Squad, I think because you have more to gain. Yeah, don't from get it. sucked into it. Yeah. yeah, don't get sucked into it. I mean, like I said, I think Inzaghi handled it brilliantly. He was calm. He was smiling. He was like, "Look, you want to talk about that? Let's talk about this." But overall. I think there are many teams that should be of are of the quality to, to fight for the Scudetto, you know, and mm. basically saying, well, Juve should be fighting as well. So this notion that Juve are underdogs is a bit silly. And he laughed it off. And, and Auxilio said, look, we're not hiding. We said before the season started that we want to win the Scudetto. Now other teams are hiding. That's great for them, but we're not hiding. I mean, that's how you handle it. Yeah. I don't like when Inter gets sucked into these things because mm. it can easily destabilize the team and have move their focus no, from you t- you, what they should talk, be focused you on. Talk that from a position of, you talk from a position of authority and strength, not from a position of explaining yeah, yourself exactly. and trying to defend yourself. Yeah. Because that makes you, that makes you look yeah. like you're weak and you've got an inferiority complex or, yeah. or do you know what I mean? So that's, yeah. I agree. I agree yeah. totally. That's just how... That's just how I am, you know. As a person, I always, you know, I don't. Tr- Me too. I don't, think you should, I don't think you should try and explain yourself to anyone. You don't have to justify yourself to anybody. Mm. You're not no, in trial. No. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, so yeah, I exactly, think, yeah, I, exactly. I no, but that's exactly how I am as well. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly how I am as well. And I loved how Inzaghi and Auxilio handled it, but I did not like how Acerbi mm. handled it. And I hope that this is something that they've spoken about and that they change. If if that is the feeling in the dressing room, then Izagi needs to I also, change their I'm minds not immediately. I'm not looked into it too else. deeply, but I'm also not convinced Allegri was really going for Inter. I think he's just this is just how he's trying to play. Oh, this he season. was. Come on. Stop. Maybe he was. I don't this know. I haven't obviously. looked into it. No, the, originally, well, in terms of his original stance, his original stance <laughs> has always been, you know, we're going for the top four. We're not trying to play for the Scudetto, and he's just sticking with that. I don't think that's any attempt at a goal. He's literally to said that Inter. He's literally been saying that Inter are built to win the Scudetto for the next five years. Like, come on, please. This is, this is Allegri doing his Allegrismo. Okay. I love it. I absolutely love him. Well, five years um, might be an I, exaggeration. I love... Five years might be an exaggeration. You think? But, but, but <laughs> it's, it's no exaggeration to say that Inter should be winning the Scudetto this year, I think, in terms of who's the strongest team. Who's got well, the strongest exactly. But he's, well, that's, yes, but he is playing mind games. That's the point. He is playing mind games, and that's fine. I love it. I think it's hilarious. I love when he does this thing. I love him. 
I think he's just brilliant the way he his his dry wit and his sarcasm, his Tuscan sarcasm, and that he and Spalletti have. It's so funny. I, I love. It. I think that's why they don't get get along. I think they're very similar in that aspect. They're very mm. sarcastic, um, and 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 I like it. I think they're funny. I love it. So I just think that you should be able to handle it better than 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 uh, than Acerbi did. Uh, yeah, for sure. Basically, um, is, this is the thing. first time I've seen Inter rattled a little bit on on defensively. Like they've been so strong defensively, and it's the first time we've really seen a mistake, proper mistake from Sommer that causes a goal. Uh, that was a mistake for the goal. He should have saved it. But also, like defending crosses and set pieces, which Inter are usually very very strong at. Genoa were, were, were doing these outswingers um, to the near post, flicking it on, then to the back post. Or just just heading at goal from the from the outswinger, and obviously they scored from from Jaguzin scored from one. Um, yeah, I, I thought they they didn't defend well. They they seemed but they 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 just seemed a bit rattled. They seemed a bit you know on edge um, whenever the ball was put into the box. So that was that was kind of strange. Um, you know, uh, I think it was a foul as well. I think I need to say that uh, for the Arnautovic goal. Um, two hands on the back. It's a push. It's, it's, it's a foul but I think in the end the draw's fair I think the draw was a fair result uh, Inter did have some chances if you look at the XG actually Inter probably deserved to win based on the XG um, but I don't know I don't know how much of that I think the Arnautovic goal the Arnautovic goal would have accounted for about half of that so we also do need to take that into account as well um, so I do think a draw was a fair well, result well I mean it depends I mean, I think overall play, yes. But if you look at the XG, 0.5 versus 1.8 for Inter. I mean, yeah. Inter had 50% half of that, ball possession. Half of, that was, half of that was the Arnautovic goal. You know what I mean? So that, that I think we need to take that into mm. account. Half yeah. of it was the Arnautovic goal. But they, yeah, yeah, I, think, I, think a draw, I do think a draw was fair. I, thought, I think we have to give credit to Genoa. I think they, were, they, were, they had more intensity. They were more aggressive. Uh, they were organized. Good. They were first to the ball, I thought, than Inter. Um, and I do think we have to give some credit to Giladino. I mean, he's a, he's, a, he's an interesting one to to, to analyse Giladino's style of play because they are counter-attacking. They do sit deep, but they get lots of moments a game, a game where they attack and, and transitions and look dangerous. And he also did go, he went for it at 1-1. Like he brought on Melanovsky for Strutman. He brought Macias on for Martin, who's a left wing back. You know, he went for it at 1-1. He wasn't holding trying to defend for the 1-1. And I, and I think that's quite refreshing to see from from a, from an Italian manager, a young Italian manager. So I'm, I'm interested to see how Giardino develops. And he has done well against the big teams as well this season. So, yeah. Mm, he does. And that's how you kind of make a name for yourself as a as an up-and-coming Italian coach, is that, okay, you can, you know, with, with a weaker side, finish mid-table, but how do you perform in the big games against the big teams? I mean, that's how you throw your hat in the ring for bigger and better jobs. Um, that's that's just how you build a career in, in in Italian football as a coach, and he's he's done really well. I really like I really like what he's done at Genoa. I really really like it, and it's going to be interesting to see where he goes from here on. Um, yeah, but agreed. it's it's an interesting career. Definitely keep an eye on that. Definitely yeah. keep an eye on that. Yeah, absolutely. And and they, and as we'll come on to in a little bit, they are developing some. There's there's they've got a, a few players in this Genoa team who I think are are good enough to play for, for big teams uh, or bigger uh, bigger teams uh, for sure. Um, and um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about them, uh, one of them in particular in a bit. Um, 
Milan, <laughs> Stefano Pioli, who you you famously call the Cheshire Cat, more lives than Cheshire Cat, uh, and he uh, yeah he lives another day. Uh, the Cheshire Cat has another life uh, as because he was at risk of Milan. Yeah, he does. He was at risk of getting the sack if Milan didn't win this game. Certainly, if they lost this game, uh, there are not a number of top journalists in in Italy, including Skira, saying that you know he could have gone, um, but but they won against Sassuolo. And they, I mean, they consolidate top four when you could, when you see what the other results were: Bologna losing, and uh, Napoli drawing. And I mean, you know, they've got five five point lead on fifth place. I mean, top four is not going to be. Uh, I don't think shouldn't be at risk given the inconsistency of everyone else. So, yeah, purely saves himself. Um, I thought there's not too much to talk about this game. I thought the biggest positive was Benasser' performance. Um, I thought that Benasser showed in this game just how much they've missed him this year, how much the midfield has missed mm. him. Um, because Milan have been so open this year. It's been ridiculous at some. I think Milan, um, I can't remember, before this game, um, Milan had the fourth or the fifth worst defensive record in Serie A for the, for the calendar year of the teams currently in Serie A. So like mm-hmm. they conceded the fourth or the fifth. I can't remember which yeah. one it was most goals in Serie A, which is absolutely insane for a team that should be fight that's apparently fighting for the Scudetto or should be fighting for the Scudetto. That's their objective. That's insane. And I think a lot of that, of course, purely takes the blame for that, this playing style, the na- naivety of being open, of the high press, leaving yourself open. But I think a lot of it has been that teams just just pour through the centre of that midfield there's no, there's been no protection. There's been no defensive midfield that's been able to protect and shield the defence. We've talked about the decline of of um, of Krunic, who who hasn't played at all anymore, doesn't play at all anymore. He's probably going to be sold. Um, Adley, I just don't think he's good at protecting his defence at all. I don't think that's his role. Um, there's been no one there that's been able to protect the defence. And as soon as the opposition transition on a counter attack, or as soon as they get through that that first mm. press, they just they just they just They've just got like a, a straight run at the defence. Um, and I think that yeah, Benacer was there plugging the gaps um, on the transitions and the counters, but also keeping the ball well, knowing when to slow the game down. Milan don't have to play at 100 miles out. I know Pioli likes to play at a high tempo, but sometimes you've got to slow down the game. And I think that Benacer does that really well. And I think that, yeah, I, I, I'm not, not saying that he's back to his best. Of course, it's going to take him time. But I thought that, the stability that he provided in this game against a Sassuolo team who are, are usually very good against big teams and always dangerous. And Sassuolo really created very, very little in this game, just some Berardi long shots. Um, and Milan got a clean sheet, which is very rare. So, um, yeah, I, I, I want to give, uh, certainly want to highlight the importance of Benesse in this game. Oh, for sure. I've really got nothing more to add to that because I think Benasser is someone that we've spoken about. I've spoken about saying, look, when he comes back, I think that's when Milan will see the real Milan because I think he's imperative to this Milan side. Uh, his intelligence, his his positioning, his movement, everything he does, he is the spider on the web uh, in, in, in midfield in the sense that he he understands when to fall back, when to push up, when, you know, he, he he's a little bit like, not they're not similar at all as players, but the role that he has at Milan is similar to the one that Brozovic had at Inter for many seasons, and was you know Inter's most important player. And I think Benasser is just incredibly important for Milan, and the stability because, like you said, I mean they still conceded six shots, but it wasn't anything. They weren't 
carved open as they've been every single time a team plays past their high first press. Yeah. Um, there was balance, and Benasser offers that. He's so yeah. that's that's how important he is. I think he helps organize as well. I think he I think he he's he's a bit of a general on the pitch as well. Like he moves players mm. around. He yeah, tells he them you, you go in that position. Yeah. You go in that position. I don't think there's anyone else. So especially this season, when you've got players like Reinders, who I, I really think there's a big talent there in Reinders. You can see the ability he's got. You can see he's got little bits of those little bursts that I, I, I say that I've compared him to Kovacic. You can see that there's a player there, but he's a bit of a free spirit and he's a bit of a, you know, he goes and he, he wanders off and he leaves leaves his position vacant. And, you know, you need a player like a Benacer or someone to just sometimes just say to him, listen, you've got to stay here. You've got to stay solid. You know, we're 1-0 up here. Don't go you know moving around you know what I mean so I think that from that point of view he's important uh, Pulisic scored the winner uh, scored no, he's the- a leader he's a leader yeah yeah a goal for yeah, Pulisic but I said it's a winner well, but I said it's a winner so yeah 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 Pulisic just Pulisic wanted to just wanted to yeah yeah, go, yeah, yeah sorry stop, sorry go 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 <laughs> yeah yeah so Pulisic scored um, scored um, but I do want to I do want to say just just to just to round off 2023 that Rafael Leal, let, let's be honest. He he. Twenty twenty three was a was a year to forget for Rafael Leal, wasn't it? It's not been a. I, I don't think it has been a good year, and I think if you, I mean, it depends on what you expect from him. I expect him to be more like the season that Milan won the Scudetto. That was his breakout. That's real breakout season, right? Since then, I can't. You can't tell me that he's been that he's built on that. I think he's become mature in some aspects, but I also think that he's become almost invisible in many aspects. And I think the stats. I mean, what we're we looking at here: nine games now without a goal, one goal in last twenty, one assist since October. I mean, this is not good. It's abysmal. You say, what do you expect? Uh, I don't expect what you've just read out there. And I don't expect the halfway yeah, point of the season. More. Yeah, one game from the halfway point of the season, and he scored three Serie A goals, four in all competitions. I mean, what are we talking about here? This guy's been quoted for 100 and, 150 million euros release clause. You know, <laughs> Milan asking for 150 million to sell him. I mean, what are we talking about? I do about think here? that it is somewhat, I do think it's a little bit unf- because he does have a different role. I think we should take that into consideration in the sense that he is now also more involved in the build up. He does create space for others. That's, you know, that is something we should absolutely, you know, concede and, 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 and acknowledge. But I'm just not, for me, it's not just the goals and the assists. It's just, I just don't feel he's taken steps upwards. I think maybe, maybe it's this, and because and I've, I've thought about this, that maybe it's a case of, okay, so Milan are no longer just Leao and Inshallah. They brought in more players. They need to get those players into the system. And Leao needs to be a team player and help get those players into the, the system. I mean, Pulisic has scored a lot, a lot of goals. But still, I, I kind of expect more from a player who is the star of Milan, the number 10 at Milan, the guy who's supposed to, you know, he's supposed to replace Ibrahimovic as the gold letter name at Milan. And having won a Scudetto, having won, you know, having having won that, having taken those steps, I wanted him to be more prolific, not, you know, not just for goals and assists, but also his presence on the pitch. And that's where I feel that, well, I've seen it in some games, in short bursts, 
but I haven't seen it consistently. And I think that's that's the main problem I have with it. Yeah, no. Uh, and so- if yeah, and, and I just just to c- conclude, and if and and if Milan are changing the way they're playing and getting Leao to kind of adapt to the team and take one for the teams, quote unquote, to get the best out of the other players. Well, I wonder if Leao and Inshallah then is not maybe the better thing for Milan to do because Milan were doing better. They were scoring more. Like, did you understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud. So, here. Was, thinking, so was Rafael Leal. The- I mean, Rafael Leal, even though he was criticised last season quite a bit as well, but saying that, you know, he didn't... <clears throat> Last season's Liao wasn't the, the the Liao of the the second half of the Scudetto winning season that was so devastating. But yet he finished last season with twenty eight goal contributions in all competitions, fifteen Serie A yeah. goals, eight assists. Um, you know, which you might say, well, he should maybe do better than that still if he wants to be this hundred million, hundred and fifty million player. But compare that to this season, we're almost we're one game away from the second from the. The halfway point. He's got three Serie A goals and four assists. I yeah, mean, that's not good. That's so at, that, good. at this rate, that's he's going to end the season with with what six goals, eight assists. I mean, that's abysmal. Yeah, that's <laughs> you not know. Good. So 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 yeah. He he needs to he needs to step it up. Uh, he absolutely needs to step it up. Um, Napoli Napoli's crisis goes on. Um, they 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 fail to to to, to beat Monza stalemate. Um, I'm just going to make this really, really simple. I've said it before. I will say it again. Napoli need to sack Walter Mazzari if they want to get into the top four. If they want to guarantee getting and into bring the top four. who in anybody, I don't who care. Who they're going to bring in? I don't care who they bring in. <laughs> he's he's you're worse off with with Mazzari. Mazzari's a Serie B coach. There's coaches that are better than him out there. You can't tell me that there isn't a coach out there that isn't better than Walter Mazzari. You can't. Tell me. They're in eighth position now. This is like. De Laurentiis is doing what Moratti did when he Graham brought Potter's in, better than Walter yeah. Mazzari. Bring in Potter. <laughs> you know, bring <laughs> no, in no, anybody. Calm down. Let's not. Let's not. Calma, calma. Let's not. Let's not exaggerate here. Um, I, for me, this is Aurelio De Laurentiis Moratti moment when he hired Gasperini to play with a back four. This is what he's doing with Mazzari. He's playing. He's he's brought Mazzari in to play a four-three-three, and I never forget that banner from. Curva Nord, when, when, when he done that in Inter were awful, uh, to Moratti saying, of course, in their own very crude way, uh, it's if, if you hiring Gasperini to play with a back four is like going to harlots and expecting hugs and insta- hugs and kisses. It's like, who said it's, that? It's like, Curva Nord had a banner. I never oh forget that. God. I was, uh, when, when when Moratti hired Gasperini to play with a back four back then at Inter, this is a little bit like that. I I I'm, I just feel the parallel here, but the difference, of course, is that De Laurentiis has built a structure, a financial structure, over a longer period of time. So you know, it's not like it was with Inter then. And also, De Laurentiis came out and apologized. You know, he came out and took responsibility, held a press conference. You know, taking responsibility away from the players, from the coaches, said it's all on me. And now I'm going to fix it. And now we can see that he is fixing it. He is doing something. Samarzic in, Elmas out. Okay, strange decision maybe. But Samarzic is a fantastic talent. We all know that. Uh, we know what he can do. Um, and, you know, just 
you know, to, to this, this is such a Napoli move as well, isn't it? These these last few years, and you know, bring a young talented player in, you know, grow them and then cash in on them because uh, Zielinski seems destined to leave. Um, so you know, they are doing something, they are rebuilding, uh, and they are investing. We'll see what we'll, we'll see what they do defensively as well. But um, I, I I do think it was important for Napoli that De Laurentiis took all the responsibility. Because after that bizarre interview he gave uh, about Rudy Garcia with Corriere dello Sport, where he was just off on one, uh, the entire interview is completely bizarre, where he was, I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah, okay, Rudy Garcia is not good enough, and you just keep harping on about how he was not good enough. Then why didn't you, why did you hire him, you nitwit? You're the one who decides these things, no one else. So, it was important that he come out and say the things he did because it takes the pressure off um, the team and the players uh, and, and the coach who, like you said, I mean, this is, you know, you know, hiring Mazzari at this point in your, at this point in his career, it's not, you're not exactly signaling ambition, are you? <laughs> no, no, you're not. And and I, I'm almost wondering whether, whether Walter Mazzari is a downgrade on Rudy Garcia. I mean, I, I, at first I thought it was mm. a sideways move and maybe a slight mm. upgrade in that Mazzari would at least make them a little bit more organised. Um, I'm not so sure. Now, I'm wondering whether he's even a downgrade on Rudy Garcia because, I mean, mm. the only thing that, the only excuse that he's had up until now is that he, had, he did have, admittedly, a very hard run to start with. They had so many difficult fixtures um, in, in the first, his first games. But now he's he's he can't use that excuse anymore because they're not even beating the smaller teams now. They 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 they've not beaten Monza. They lost to Frosinone in the cup. Okay, they res, they rested some players uh, at the start, but they actually were nil nil when they brought their big guns on. When they brought on Ossiman and Claret Scalia and uh, who else was it they brought on? Um, that's when they that's when they conceded all the goals when they had their strongest strongest best players on. Um, you know, and so I mean. I look at the attack, which was always my concern. I mean, they've got three three games in a row now that Napoli haven't scored. Uh, they probably did create enough chances in this game that they, that they that they should have scored. But three games in a row without scoring with this with this talent, attacking talent that they've got. Um, and I look at um, eight goals in nine games under Matsari. Five of the nine games he's managed, they haven't scored a goal in. Four scoreless games in the last five games. I mean, that's just abysmal. It's absolutely abysmal. When it's abysmal by, for any team, but when you consider that this team have got two world-class attackers and they've gone, they've gone four scoreless games in their last five games. I mean, what on earth? I mean, that just that says it all for me. That really does say say, say it all for me. And I and I think that um, yeah, I, I'm worried. Um, we're going to come on to. the we're going to talk about the transfers in a minute. Um, they definitely, I think they need, to, yeah, they definitely do need to do some work in in January as well because I think the depth they don't have much depth in their team now either um, in midfield for sure. I mean, they they their first choice midfield three of Zielinski, who's probably going to leave at the end of the season as well, and Anguissa and Lobotka. You go from them. Their first backups are Gaetano and, and Cayuste, who's been a disaster. I mean, they're their first backups right now because Elmas has left. He's gone to Leipzig. I know Samadzic is probably going to come in and maybe maybe they need to get they need to get someone else as well, I think. But that kind of just shows the depth they've got. 
And what the hell is Matsari doing starting Zerbin in attack for this game? What on earth is what on earth went through his mind? I mean, this guy, Zerbin, <laughs> he's not even a Serie B player. I mean, he's 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 <laughs> I mean some of my friends say he, he just yeah, I mean, he wins, he wins I mean, throw-ons. That's what somebody one of my friends said. Some of my friends said they say he's the throw-on winner. That's what, that's what he does. I mean, oh man. No, it's for me. It's also and Lindstrom um, as well. Know, Lindstrom, got, who you should know yeah, about, he's got to well, be a contender for flop of the season, Lindstrom. hasn't he? Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Jesper Lindstrom has been absolutely dreadful. Um, but the thing is, he's got Cholito on the bench, who's pissed off and now wants to leave because he can't get minutes. Um, you know, it's 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 weird. He's doing these weird decisions. Um, but I, I think that Lobotka. I think the issue is with Lobotka. I don't think... Lobotka... I remember when Milan Skriniar was at Inter and Spalletti was there and he was talking, I think it was back for three, four years now, and he said that, yeah, Spalletti's asked me about Lobotka back then. Um, and you can... Be, you know, th- that is a Mazzari midfielder. Sorry, that's a Spalletti midfielder, Lobotka. I think the reason why he was so fantastic the last two seasons was because Spalletti got the most out of him, played a system where he could could shine. Together with Zielinski and Anguissa in this hybrid 4-3-3-4-2-3-1, that's why it looked so damn good. The, the positioning, the balance of the team, the way that they attacked, the way that they moved the way that they retain possession, the way they played, used, utilized that possession. Now, Lobotka just, it's like, he just does, he, it's like playing with 10 men. He hasn't, there's no function for Lobotka at all under in a Mazzari system. And there's no, there was hardly, the, he, you know, he struggled under Rudy Garcia, but with Mazzari in charge, there is no point mm. in playing Lobotka whatsoever. He just he's just in, he doesn't know what he's doing he doesn't know where he should go he 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 he's not a very big guy he's not very good in the air I mean it's it's pointless to play him um, no he's, and, he can't run he, he can't he, run I, I feel that he can't cover distance no so no and and it just it, it's pointless it's meaningless so with him I think that's where the problem is and I think that's why they brought in. Perhaps they brought in Samardzic. Maybe the idea is to play him in some sort of a deep-lying role. I, I don't know. But to me, I think the problem is there. Good luck um, there. Suddenly retrade, retrade in the play <laughs> in, in the middle of a season. Good luck. Um, but, yeah, it's a mess. Yeah. It's a mess. No, I mean, I'm not saying that's what's going to do. I'm not saying that's yeah. what they're going to do. I'm just saying, I'm just guessing, you, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, well, it's one a, thing a, I have it's, to it's say, a, It's though, a mess. Just, it's a mess, Nima. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is an absolute mess. But... The world, I have to talk about Monza. Um, Di Gregorio, again, we're going to get to that. But I have to talk about the world being ready for Roberto Gagliardini at Monza, playing in the central defensive position, as, as a central defender in the back three, is um, is interesting. <laughs> I was laughing when I saw that. Um, and he did all right. That's the horrible thing. Hmm. With Danilo D'Ambrosio. Well, what does that right tell you about Mazzari? <laughs> What does that tell oh, you? Um, <laughs> Persina's penalty was terrible, by the way. Otherwise, Monza could have even won this game. Mm, I mean, that was yeah. a that was a yeah. terrible penalty. Um, but Di Gregorio, yeah, um, save from Ang- Anguissa, but also from Cavada. He is having a brilliant, brilliant season. He is starting to look more and more like he could break into the Italy squad, right? Um, or yeah. be well, that third choice goalkeeper? Why not? I mean. I think Donnarumma and 
Vicario are clear. Provadel is kind of safe and dependable, probably does have the third place. But Di, Di Gregorio is, I think, has moved above Meretz, who, you know, obviously played against in that game. He's, he's probably fourth now. In the in the in the in the in the ranking list, I think of, of Italy, Italian goalkeepers based agree. on this season, anyway. I would agree. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And it's really interesting because he is an Inter youth team product. He's an Interista, and Inter are interested in bringing him back. And I'm thinking, well, you know, Sommer ain't getting any younger, mm. so. You know, interesting. It's interesting. And Calderola's been linked too, and he's a huge Interista player there in the youth team as well. So we'll see. Yeah, Calderola is a strange one. He's very, very good in the air, um, Calderola. Um, he's but, a monster, uh, you know, he's somebody that you thought was finished like a few years ago, and now he's kind of had a kind of Indian summer to his career. Um, okay, the top four mm. race, very, very quickly, because it's very, very tight. Obviously, Inter and Juventus are way clear, but you've got Milan on 36 points, who still look pretty secure. But then. Fiorentina on in fourth on 33 points. They beat Torino 1-0. Bologna on 31 points uh, moved down to fifth after a shock. Uh, you can call it a shock now. <laughs> Lost to, to Udinese 3-0. Then we have Atalanta in sixth on 29. They beat Lecce 1-0. Not really a deserved win, to be honest with you, but they got the win. Then Roma, of course, lost to Juve. They're, they're in seventh on 28. And Napoli in eighth place on 28 points, which is absolutely insane. And then Lazio in ninth, which is, I'm obviously having a terrible season of their own, but they've got back-to-back wins after beating Frosinone 3-1. Um, it's really, really tight, isn't it? It's really exciting, the, the race. And remember what I said a few weeks ago, that fifth place could potentially get a, a Champions League place as well. So you've got, what, one, two, three, four, you've got six teams there fighting for one, maybe two Champions League places. It's quite hard to call, I would say, wouldn't you, don't you think? Uh, I think Milan are a shoo-in, but after that, your, yeah, your guess is place. as good as mine. Yeah, from fourth place down. I mean, it's hard to call, isn't it? <clears throat> you would think Napoli, on paper, of course, and then if it's not Napoli, you would think Roma. But then, but watch exactly. these teams play. I have to say... Watch the teams play. You can't just you can't you can't just switch flick a switch and say oh it's all going to come together when for half of the season they haven't played well at all. You know do you know what I mean? It doesn't doesn't football doesn't work like that. So it's yeah it's 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 really hard to call. Really hard. It's really it's really hard to call and 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 I think Fiorentina could capitalize on that because. Um, I, I'm not. I've not been impressed by how Fiorentina play this year. <laughs> but they keep grinding out results. No, I really haven't. But they keep grinding well, out. Even results in this game, and, they didn't create that much. Credit. Yeah, yeah, they didn't. And but you have to give credit where credit is due. If you grind out results at the halfway stage or one game away, you're in fourth. Well, you know, you gotta you gotta give it to them. But you know, whether or not it's a, it's sustainable or not, that remains to be seen. But. Yeah, it's it's um, it's a strange it's a strange Serie A from from fourth down. It, it really mm. is. And I could make arguments against all of them. Like I could say, go through each all of these teams and say, this is why I don't think this team can possibly get fourth place. But somebody has to get it. So it's it's uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Um, just the, the other two Serie A results at the bottom: Cagliari nil, Empoli nil. Um, well, it feels so long ago now. Cagliari missed a penalty, didn't they, to win this game? Um, Right yeah. near the end, uh, and uh, Verona, Verona nil, Salernitana one. So Salernitana have made that relegation race that even is, more exciting for you. 
I mean, like this is what I said on the Christmas pod episode. Like, look, if if Salernitana beat Verona, then you literally have five teams. You can argue five teams who are involved in a relegation spot with three teams get relegated. That is insane because there's only four points between Sassuolo in 16th and Salernitana in 20th. I mean, that is that's crazy. This is the tightest. It's, I, I can't remember. And and that Udinese win is so important for them now because they have 17 points and had they not won against Bologna. And they played really well as well. Mm. But yes, yeah, Sassuolo are, are in a relegation scrap. Um you know, yeah. and, and that or is, even Frosinone, I think need to Frosinone need to look over their shoulders as well. I think. I mean, they're still they're still mm-hmm. okay at the moment, Re- but they they are they've only got one point so in the last do. one point in their last five games. Um, Frosinone, so they've got to be careful. I do want to just mm-hmm. give a shout out to Lorenzo Luca, mm-hmm. Lorenzo Luca, um, yeah. because he yeah. went nearly a year without scoring a goal uh, around about a year ago, <laughs> and um, he's been brilliant. He had a brilliant December, four goals in December. He's got six goals since October. He's one of the most informed strikers in Serie A. And he has such a unique uh, skill set in that he's six foot seven, but actually pretty good with his feet. Um, so he's he's a bit of an Italian Peter Crouch in some ways. Um, I don't know if that's a <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment or a or, or a criticism, but but he has something unique about him. So yeah, he's he's on great form at the moment. So yeah, definitely with Italy's lack of strikers, lack of number nines. I mean, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Um, going into the second half of the season, um, what what Lorenzo Luca will do. Um, right, let's let's move on from from the from the weekend games. We have to talk about the the, the growth decree first, and the, the scrapping of the growth decree. For those of you that don't know, the growth decree is, or I should say, now was uh, a financial incentive which allowed. Serie A clubs to to save fifty percent on taxes for 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 the wages of players who who join from abroad um, and um, this this uh, this made it possible really for, for 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 Italian clubs to to sort of be able to compete a little bit better with the Premier League clubs and and but more so really the Spanish clubs the the German and the French clubs. When it comes to buying players, uh, it basically meant that, well, if you were signing a player for ten million on a on a salary of ten million a year, um, net, that would cost you. Usually, that would then cost you around twenty double twenty million in total. Um, but with the growth decree, you would only pay fifty percent, so you would end up paying. It would only end up costing you fifteen million. Uh, if that makes sense, so that helped you then. Um, Italian clubs signed some big stars like Juventus never would have been able to buy Ronaldo without the growth decree. Inter would never have been able to sign Lukaku in the, fir- in the first place, the first time they signed him without the growth mm. decree. Um, very, very important for signing players. It was ex- it, it was expected that it, the growth decree would be extended uh, temporarily at least until they could sort something out permanently until the, until the end of February, at least through the, the end of the January transfer window. Um, and um, But it's now... The government has now decided to to expire it immediately. It's now expired. Expired at the end of December. Um, yeah. So let me just just before I get your point of view, Nima. Um, first of all, just 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 want to sum up kind of what this means, like the positives and negatives. I mean, the negatives certainly are that it's going to be very very difficult, almost impossible, to buy top or semi top foreign talent. 
Um, and this has been expressed by a lot of important people within Italian football. I mean, I think um, Marotta, Giuseppe Beppe Marotta called it an own goal. Lotito mm. said that, um, uh, I can't find the quote, but he basically said that Juventus and Milan, uh, or Juventus and Inter and Milan, are not going to be able to buy top talent anymore. Um, Fulani, Giorgio Fulani, the Milan chief, said that the growth decree would destroy Italian football. Um, so, yeah, it's going to affect Italian teams in the transfer market it's, a lot. Look, we, what we should, what we should, say, what we should say is also that the growth decree is not just about Italian football. This is uh, Decreta Crescita was one that was given across the board to attract capital from outside of Italy to Italy. That was the idea. It wasn't just about Italian football. This, the, the growth decree applies to, you know, across the board. So it wasn't just about Italian football, but it hurts, it hurts Italian football the most because they have built their budgets based on this. Um, meaning, if you want a foreign player, you can pay them, you can compete to some extent, to one level with uh, the Premier League clubs and, of course, PSG and Bayern Munich and and these other and, and Real Madrid and Barcelona to a certain extent, but so the breaking point where Italian clubs couldn't compete couldn't compete has been lowered. It used to be higher uh, with the growth decree. Um, it's so it's not just about Italian football. This is part of the Italian government's plan to, you know, promote Italian business because their argument is, of course, that well, if we get tax breaks to foreign companies, we're kind of disadvantaging or foreign nationals in in business. We're kind of disadvantaging our own business and our own uh, in, in our own companies and our own people and and in terms of competition and and. It's it's um, so you have to look at it from a broad perspective without getting too political. It's not just about Italian football, but it absolutely destroys Italian football. Italian football is now League A. It's as simple as that. From this day onwards, you're never going to see. You're not even going to be able to buy Marcus Taram level players from Mönchengladbach. That's just as simple as it gets. Um, Serie A is now League A, um, and it's that's that's what they've decided. But, I mean, the impact of it on Serie A will be that way. Um, and I guess this is part of, you know, you could say for those of us who are a little bit older, who remember when Italian football decided to have, you know, no more, you know, to, to set a limit on the number of foreigners yeah. to grow Italian football. This is what this is kind of doing that without doing it because you wouldn't be allowed to set a foreigner rule when you're a member of the EU as Italy is, but at least not with other EU nationals. 1970s, so instead, what they Italian football was affected, yeah. yeah, quite a lot badly. I mean, you look at the performances of Italian yeah. clubs in Europe in the 1970s, um, yeah, it, it yeah. tells its own story, even though the national team did pretty okay. I mean, even though the national team did pretty okay, I mean, early 70s, they were, <sighs> yeah, they did all right, the start but and the end, in of late decades, 60s, yeah. early 70s. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean the point is, I mean, you see so you can say that okay, maybe this is their way of going back to, to to for Italian football, at least they will have to now they have to play Italians, now they have to develop youngsters, they have to give chances to the youngsters. But let's remember that when they did that in the seventies, it took about fifteen, twenty years before Italian clubs were competitive again. And, and that was and that and that competitiveness came about generally after they opened up the, the borders again in 1980. Um, exactly, and they started bringing the <laughs> exactly. foreigners back. I remember 
I remember that. I mean, uh, I mean, I wasn't born, but exactly. I remember. Roma bought Falcao and, and uh, Juventus bought Liam Brady. Who was Inter's first signing when they reopened it again in 1980? Was it Hansi Muller, the German guy? I think it might have been. I think it might have been Hansi Muller. Might have been him. Um, no. But yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I'm kind of torn over this. I mean, you know me, you know my opinion. I, I'm, I'm kind of like with club football, I've kind of given up on Italian teams ever being able to uh, compete. Uh, uh, and I'm talking medium to long term. Um, you're always going to get the odd year here and there where you can overachieve, um, which Inter certainly did last season based on their resources. Um, but I've given up on Italian football ever being able to challenge the Premier League ever again while the, you know, with the current status quo in terms of the finances, in terms of the monopolisation of finances and players and, and everything. It's impossible. So for me, the difference between Italian teams being what they are and being a little bit worse, it kind of doesn't bother me if the benefits are if there's going to be a benefit to the Italy national team because Italy's going to produce much better young Italian players and develop more Italian players, more Italians are going to get a chance, they're going to become better players and the Italy national <clears> team is <throat> going to flourish from it. If that happens, I'm not fussed with this, I'll take it. The question is, will that happen? Will It's, it's, it's not easy to, to, to determine because foreign players can help the young Italian players develop as well. You know, how do young players improve? They improve by playing with, you know, how does anybody improve in anything that they do? They improve by learning off people that are older than them, that are better than them, that have got more experience than them, that have got, got the talent. Now, if you don't have the best players playing in the Serie A, the best foreigners playing in the Serie A, then the question is, well, will that allow the young Italian players, the ones that are coming through the youth systems that are going to get more chances now, is that going to allow them to develop? You know, maybe it will, maybe it won't. I, uh, it's hard. It's hard to say. I, I think there's, 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 I think, I think, no, look, I think it's maybe needed. I think, I think, I think it's a, it's a, it's a moot point, really, because even with the Decreta Crescita, Italian football isn't attracting the biggest stars in world football. <laughs> so you're getting the players just under before they break, like the Turams, you know, those kinds of players. Mm. And then they come to Italy and then they explode. Now you're even kicking the, you, you know, they're going to go to Bournemouth and Brentford and, and, and the championship where the money is, if we're just going off of finances. So to me, this is, this is so But I think that, I think that, this is an archaic well, way. Because it, yeah, Nima. I, I think that, but I think what you've just said there is right. But I think that that can also be interpreted two ways as well. Because you can say, well, if Italy's not if, if Italy's not attracting the, the best players in the world, which it isn't right now, then well, does it really matter if if, if the, the young Italian talents aren't going to be learning off them because they're not in the league anyway? Um, or do you say, well, Italy still has players of the level of Rafael Leal and Teo Hernandez and. And these kind of level players, well, they're going to learn off these kind of players. Those kind of players are not going to be in Serie A anymore. So, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, if the Italy national well, team know, benefits, it's not just if that, the Italy I mean, national team benefits from it, I don't care because I've, 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 like I said, Italian football's finished in terms of being able to compete on, a, on a, like a Champions League level. Um, so, for me, whether it gets knocked out in the the last sixteen rather than the quarter final, 
well, it doesn't really bother me because because they're not going to win it. They're not going to be winning cha- consistently challenging for, for Champions Leagues and at the top of Europe anymore. So I'd rather have a strong Italy national team. Um, so well, I don't see how you're going to have a. I don't see how you're going to have a strong Italy national team when the, when when even the players under the best players. Like I said, like the, the Italian clubs can't buy the Erling Haaland's and Kylian Mbappes, but they can buy these players that are just below them and who are going upwards in their careers. This removes those those players well, too. So that, you're well, down to third, well, fourth tier players. Well, Liga. So well, how does that improve? Well, France the competition. Well, how does that improve? Well, what about France? France, yeah. fr- France, pr- France have got the best production of, of young players in in the world. Uh, uh, the conveyor belt and the, the Liga loses everyone. They don't attract any big players except for PSG. You know, Brazil, Argentina, you know, those leagues. I mean, you know, they, they still they still they produce lots of lots of talent. So, you know, I, I'm not denying that the importance of, of, of excellent foreigners and improving young talent. Absolutely not. Um, but I think that, you know, when you look at the other countries like mm. France, when you look at Brazil, like Argentina, you know, it all I think it all depends on how it's executed. And obviously with Italian football, we know from experience that they don't execute things very well. So, you know, I think, I think there's a debate. I think the debate can go either side. I think what isn't in doubt is what you say. That I think if we're talking about the club football, if we're talking about how well Italian clubs are going to do in the Champions League, and, and then, it, then it is going to affect them negatively. Very, very, very much so. It's going to be very, very difficult. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can. It's it's just not going to happen. I mean, it's all uh, the the club football. Unless is, they can Italian increase their finances, unless we can increase our finances somehow, you know, that's the other way of going about it. But that doesn't look mm. very likely. Maybe a maybe a super league. The super league comes in and helps as well. You know, so these are all things that that, mm. that can help us. Um, is is is, uh, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what the what the transfer market is going to be like in twenty twenty four. Let's 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 put it that way. Absolutely. Transfer Absolutely. market in January 2023. There, there is some transfers, though, to talk about. So let's go through them just before we finish. Um, so let's start off with Inter. Uh, Dejon Buchanan is uh, on the verge of joining Inter, isn't it? Is, it? is it basically a done deal? Seven million fixed fee plus add-ons from Club Brugge? Yeah, yeah, it seems like Dejon will is is, uh, is is all but... It's all but done. It's very, very close. He's a player that Inter have been linked with for almost a year. So he's a player that uh, Auxilio has had on his radar for quite some time. And this is a player that they've studied quite closely for, for a while. There were really, really strong links in the summer. They died down. And then, of course, with Cuadrado being out for three months, they need another right wing back. Um, and, and so they decided that to go after him, and especially with Denzel Dumfries, um, the contract negotiations aren't exactly, or, you know, the new, the contract extension negotiations aren't exactly going well. He wants a lot of money. Inter don't think he's worth that money. So there is, this could very well be the last season with, with Denzel Dumfries at Inter, God willing. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it is what it is. Uh, so they, they're basically signing a player for the future. Um, and, and and they really believe in him. And this is again, it's a player that Inter have had their eyes on for quite some time. He's he's a, he's a wide player. Uh, he can play as a wing back, as a winger. He's very 
he's very attacking minded. Some would say a little bit too attacking minded and defensively very naive. But he's a quick guy. He's a quick player, um, and and we'll have to wait and see. And it's going to be fun. I mean, it's nice to see. I think I think he'll be the first Canadian in the Serie A, which is huge because you know there's a huge Canadian. Uh, Italian Canadian community in Canada who love and follow the Serie A, and I know many of them listen to this pod and are patrons, and I think that's this is going to be a big thing for them, uh, and I'm really happy for for them who are they're all very excited um, about this. So you know, we'll we'll see if it goes through, but it, it is very close. That's going to be I'm interesting. Hearing. Inter um, versus Milan and, with the with the Canada versus yeah, the United I know. States Canada versus yeah, I know yeah, the North. You know that certain broadcasters are gonna you know they're gonna you know promote the next Milan derby as you know the derby of North America and, and, and all of that. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. As long yeah, I mean, but I mean at the same time, if it's you know if you got if it helps grow Milan and Inter and Serie A in 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 in, in, in it helps conquer North and, America and then yeah. New, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they can't do worse than, than having DJ Khaled do an Instagram post. So I suppose mm, if the bar is, is not even on the floor, it's so low, it's tickling Satan's testicles. The only way is up, isn't it? So what can you do? What can you say? <laughs> right. Um, I want us to do a profile on Radu Dragusin, who is uh, expected to join Tottenham this week. Personal terms have been agreed. <clears throat> There's not much distance between Genoa's demands of 30 million euro transfer fee and Tottenham software, which I believe is around about 25 originally. So there's not much, there's not much to, to, to bridge there. Um, he's, he's a 21 year old centre back. He's been one of the breakout stars in Serie A this season. He's been watched by, by a number of clubs, Premier League clubs like Liverpool and Arsenal, Newcastle, also Italian clubs like Milan and Napoli. Um, his development is is a very very interesting one. He 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 was signed by Juventus in 2018, and um, at the time he was he Juventus beat a number of big clubs to him: Chelsea, PSG, Atletico Madrid. Juventus signed him for 250,000 euros, and he started off in the youth teams. He worked his way up to the next gen team before being called up by by Andrea Pirlo. Um, when he was the manager during the uh, the COVID season, 2020-21 season. And he he was a teenager at that time. He made four appearances that season in all competitions. And he, he yeah, he didn't play that much, but he was seen as, as quite an interesting talent. He then, he spent the, the next season, 21-22 on loan with Sampdoria uh, and Salernitana in Serie A. He made 22 uh, appearances across both teams. Sampdoria got relegated, and Genoa brought uh, brought uh, brought him in first on loan with a, with an option to buy, and he played a very very important role last season as as Genoa got promoted. And this season, back in Serie A, he has been a he has been a key man for 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 a Genoa team who. You know, as we said before, when we, when we were talking earlier in the show about the the, the draw with Inter, who've uh, yeah, uh, they're doing well this season. They're, they're producing a lot of um, very talented players. Um, Albert Goodmanson, who I think is going to join a big club this summer, he's also been linked to a Premier League move. Aston Villa, um, Matteo Retegi, of course, is a goal scorer. Frenchrup, who some of his stats are insane this season in centre midfield. Um, yeah, Radu Dragosin is is one of these one of these guys who. 
it, well, he's going to join Spurs and he's, um, yeah, he's got the ability to play for a bigger team than Genoa. And he's, um, if I tell you what kind of player he is, he's a, he's a very aggressive defender, very strong mentality. mentality. He's, he's first in Serie A this season for, for tackle success rate um, for players that have attempted 15 plus tackles a game. He, he's rarely dribbled past. He's, he's only been dribbled past once this season. He's ranked fifth in Serie A for number of clearances averaged per game. I think his best attribute is probably aerially. He's brilliant in the air. He's, he's second in Serie A for defenders, for, for aerials one per game. 3.7 aerials one on average per match. Only Udinese's Jacobillo has has more. That makes him fifth among among all players. It's actually pretty tight from second to fourth. Then you've got Juric, the big monster who's just, way, every season he's way out uh, ahead, of every, <laughs> ahead of everyone, uh, Juric. Um, so yes, if if um, if Dragazine was to replicate these kind of numbers, uh, aerial numbers at Tottenham, he would instantly become one of the best defenders in the league aerially. Um, and that obviously makes him a, a threat from set pieces. He scored, he scored uh, twice <coughs> this season. He scored the winner against Verona and he scored the equaliser in the, the last game last weekend against Inter to to, to yeah. earn to earn general point. Um, so I think in terms of his aggression and his aerial strength, he is well suited to the Premier League. But I do think he he does have some weaknesses. I mean, I can I've watched watched more of him at Juventus than than at Genoa. He was very impulsive um, at Juventus. He, if you think of Tottenham fans that are listening to this, think of a a young Christian Romero who's very aggressive, likes to do interceptions, comes out of his area or his zone, let's say, uh, with his impulsiveness. And he, he, he's a bit like that. He needs to rein that in. And I think he, started, has to, he has started to rein that in as he's matured, but he can still be a bit too aggressive, kind of vacating his position, trying to win a ball when sometimes he needs to be conservative. That, that's always been my criticism with Romero and still is, to be honest with you. Um, at Juventus, his passing was a weakness. It has improved since then, um, but I think there will still be question marks there. Um, he he was compared by a colleague of mine, football my football transfers colleague Sam Maguire, as a, a very poor man's Virgil Van Dijk. So take that as you want. I mean, it's very poor man's Virgil Van Dijk is the words used. So you know, <laughs> take that as you want to take it. Um, he plays in a back three at Genoa, so. He will need to adapt to, to, not, to Tottenham's back four. I'm not sure what system Romania use, plays for the Romanian national team, um, but for, for Genoa anyway, uh, in club football, he'll need to adapt. Mm. Also, the styles of play are very different. Genoa play counter-attacking football under Alberto Giladino. They average only 42% possession a game, which is the third lowest in Serie A. They sit back and basically hit on the transitions. Um, whereas, of course, uh, Ange Postadokoglu, we know he plays front foot football. He likes to dominate possession, a high press, very high line. 59% average a game, which I don't know where that sits in the Premier League. It must be, it must be after City, it must be the second highest after City. Maybe, maybe, maybe Brighton, I don't know. But anyway, it's one of the, one of the highest in the, in the, in the Premier League. So it's going to be, um, yeah, it's going to be a big, uh, it's going to be a big change from style of play. Um, so, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, how Dragazine's going to do. I, I don't want to come out either way and say, I mean, with Adagi, I was certain he would be a big hit. With Vicario, I was certain we did. We you know we we, we interviewed Odaji, we we profiled Vicario, and we said as much. With Dragazine, 
I don't know. I'm on yeah. the fence with, with him. What, what do you think of, of Jackson, how he's going to do there? Yeah, I'm, I'm very much on the fence. I'm very much on the fence with him as well. Um, I think it's too soon to say anything definitive, but I mean, he's had a great, he's had a very good season with Genoa so far. Uh, he's a youngster and, and of course, Tottenham feel that he could, he could potentially be, be a, be a fantastic find. Um, and for Genoa, it's, it's a no brainer because the amount of money on, on, on offer here. Um, but he has interesting pedigree, uh, Dragushin, because his mother and father, <clears throat> sorry, are both former Romanian internationals in basket, basketball and volleyball. And he's got a sister, a uh, younger sister who also plays basketball. So it's a sporting family. It's, it's one of those things in, in today. I've, I haven't done any, you know, I haven't studied it, but it's very interesting to see how many of these young players who come up come from sporting families and he's another one mm. um so um yeah it's interesting uh but look i i think i i i i i'm not i can't imagine that spurs are buying him to start i mean he's only he's turning 20 he's turned he turns 22 in february early february mm. so i well, think they've had an injury crisis at center back haven't the, they and they've, been, they've been playing fullbacks yeah. at center back for quite quite a while now and romero's yeah. out for for a, for a, for a while isn't he so i i think yeah. Van der Ven and Romero are going to be the first choice, aren't they? And 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 then he's going to yeah, be, of course, you know, yeah, behind them. But they need someone, yeah. Um, yeah. and I think Tony yeah. Bow was their first choice, I believe. Well, I'm sure that I know that he was their first choice. So um, yeah, he's 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 kind of a, a backup option, um, and and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think from Genoa's point of view, it's a like you said, it's a great profit. They signed him for five point five million, and that only was made permanent i believe this summer wasn't it because he was on loan all this past summer because he was mm. on loan for the first bit um so it's a huge profit from 5.5 to you know 25 to 30 um straight away and um for juventus this is the second time that they've sold a player who then went to tottenham just very weeks or months after for huge money and the lot you know the other one being romero of course who went to atalanta mm. and then they sold him on the same summer for after making that permanent for, 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 for huge, huge money. Um, so, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's a bit of regret there at, at Juventus. Um, uh, it also, like I said before, it shows how well Genoa are doing. They, they are developing some really quality players. I mean, Goodman, sir. Well, the thing is, one thing I really think Genoa are doing really smart is that with, you know, Dragushin leaving, it won't hurt them as much because they have Alan Maturo. In the in the squad there, who is mm. a central defender from Uruguay, who was the best central defender in the under twenty World Cup. Remember when the Uruguay beat Italy? Um, he was the defender of the tournament, and he is a very good player. And he joined in January, well, exactly a year ago, uh, to sign for Genoa then. Uh, but yeah, so so they do have a replacement in house, and I'm and and I really rate Maturo, so I'm going to be very happy to see if he can get more playing time now. Yeah, they're they're doing a great job developing players. Um, the, the the club and and Giladino as a coach. Uh, look look how, how how they're improving. And Goodmanson, like I said before, he's ready for a bigger club, for a champion, maybe even a Champions League club. Um, you know, I think Aston Villa are looking at him. Um, he's been fantastic. Retiki, he's been he's had a lot of injuries this season, but but you know he has goals in him. And Frendrup, if you want to look at the numbers, Frendrup's numbers this season are off the charts. Um, he's somebody for sure to, 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 to keep an eye on this season. He's, um, he's, he's, yeah, he, he's been great. Uh, centre midfield. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, um, 
That's Ruddy Dragazin. Uh, I'm just waiting now uh, on the lighter note. I'm waiting for Martin Samuel, your good friend, Nima, to, to call Tottenham the Juventus <laughs> reserves in the same the same way that he called Milan the Chelsea <laughs> reserves. I'm waiting for him to call Tottenham the Juventus <laughs> reserves because Tottenham have got all Juventus, uh, got a bunch of Juventus uh, um, uh, uh, rejects. Should we call them rejects? Kulosevsky, Bentzuka. Uh, um, uh, yeah. uh, now they've got uh, Dragosin, um, uh, Romero. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm joking, of course, but but you know, um, Martin Samuel. Um, yeah, tell me what you think. Um, uh, yeah. Let's move to Napoli. Um, Napoli, uh, they're in crisis, of course. They need to do work this 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 January. They will do work. Elif Elmas has left Napoli, gone to Leipzig already. Twenty five million fee. Uh, and now they're in they're in talks to sign uh, Lazar Samatic from Udinese. It, it, this looks like a, a deal that that is edging closer now. Um, it's probably going to be for around about that twenty five million that they paid for that they they got for for Elmas. Um, that Samatic it seems wants to join the club. Uh, personal terms shouldn't be an issue. What do you yeah? What do you what do you make of this? Does this does this help Napoli? Um, you know, the top four this season. I think season. it's a brilliant deal. I, 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 I do. I, I don't know if it helps them for the top four this season, but I think given that they are going to, you know, Mazzari is always going to be the traghettatore. They're going to bring in their coach in the summer. Uh, they're probably going to lose Zielinski. They're cashing in on Elvif Elmas. Um, Samardzic is, 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 is one of the brightest stars uh, in the Serie A and, 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 and one of the most up-and-coming and, and promising midfielders in, in all of Europe. And we know the quality that he has, um, that, or he, you know, the talent that he has. If he can express that at Napoli, then Napoli have, they've once again brought another unpolished diamond and, and they will polish him and sell him on uh, like they always do. Um, and... I think this is really good for Napoli. This is something that Napoli fans can be excited about. Um, if, uh, if of course, De Laurentiis and, and uh, Samadzic's dad can get along, <laughs> which, which is, which is um, an interesting situation. I mean, for Inter fans who remember the incredible, uh, the insane um, uh, Soap opera last summer with Rafaela Pimenta and and Samadzic's dad and 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 you know he had he had his medical and he was seated in a in a hotel waiting for the final thing to go through and his dad came to the Inter's offices and then gave never stopped giving press talks. Um, the whole thing is just mad, um, but, but that situation. But look, the talent of the lad is not up for discussion. Yeah, we had him on the pod. Make sure to check that out if you haven't. It's on YouTube as well. I think this is this is good for Napoli. This 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 creates some sort of excitement and positivity, and 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 in a situation where Napoli don't really have that much to be positive about, because of course Victor Osman is now in the African Cup of Nations, uh, which starts soon, and and, and Angui, uh, I'm not is, is Anguissa is is he playing there as well? I believe so. Yeah, I'm not I sure. I Believe so. Yeah. Why? Would, so they are going yeah. to lose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they are going to lose important players and um so they they need to to do something to change the mood and i think this is a smart move because i think he Samadzic would eventually is is in terms of his position on the pitch i think he's going to eventually be a replacement for for zielinski i think that 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 will be yeah that's what i'm thinking too. i think he'll be the replacement for zielinski in the summer 
Um, yeah, maybe he'll be the fourth. Maybe he'll be the fourth man until then. Uh, you know, which they need. They really need, as I said before, because they've, they've got no backups. I mean, they're, they're, they're after their first choice midfield three, it's it's Gaetano and and, and uh, Cayuste. Uh, I mean, you know, so... It's, yeah, Kajusta's had a nightmare since joining. Totally He's really nightmare. had a nightmare since totally. joining Kajusta. And yeah. I wonder if Napoli decide to cut their losses uh, in the summer or if they are prepared to say, okay, let's have a preseason with a new coach and see what he says. Mm. But it's 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 been, so far, it's been, a, it's been a dud for Napoli. Totally, total dud, yeah. But I just have to say, yeah, Samazic is a fantastic talent. I love watching him play. Hmm. Uh, he has some old school qualities, which is probably the only concern I have with him is like fitting him into an t- actual team, um, you know, as a cog in the machine, whether that suits him, whether he's suited to it. Um, you know, he's quite an individualist, but I mean, if you look at the goal, I can't remember who was the goal that he scored against this earlier this season. It was against Napoli, wasn't it? Where it, it was around. Napoli. Yeah, yeah it, it was, was against Napoli. Napoli. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that run was absolutely insane. Um, is is probably going to be the individual goal of the season in terms of a dribbling goal. Obviously, DiMarco's mm. goal is going to win the goal of the season um, the, for the lob. But in terms of, I mean, the individual dribbling, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Uh, and uh, you know that, that's what he's capable of. He's got a beautiful left foot, uh, and he's um, yeah, he's very, he's, he's a very lovely, he's a great guy as well. He's a very humble guy. We had him on the podcast. We did an interview with him uh, at the end of last season. You can you can find it on our YouTube page if you if you. Google his go to the Italian football podcast and put it in the search. Uh, it was you'll find it. So yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it's it's, it's definitely a, a, looking ahead. It's a goodbye for Napoli. But like you said, whether or not it's going to get them into the top four, well, like I said before, if Mazzari's the coach, I, I don't, I don't almost don't care who they've got in their team. I, I'm not trusting them to, to get in, to get in the top four. Mm, yeah, no, no, no. no anyway, it's um, it's a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. It is a mess. Um, right, let's <clears> let's <throat> leave. Okay, so the Serie A transfer window is open. I was going to read down a list of players to watch out for. Let's leave that um, because we are going to, like we usually do in January and in the summer, we are going to uh, look to get in some transfer journalists uh, this month that can can go through um, the, the players and give us um, a bit of insight into who who could possibly leave, who could possibly join all the clubs and 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 so we'll, we'll do that and uh, we'll try and aim for the first one next week and we'll try and do that um regularly throughout the throughout the month let me just do read out the fixtures for for this weekend um let's have a look so syria fixtures got quite a- let's go right we've got fa cup in england Serie A, right. FA Cup weekend. In yeah, here we go. So Friday, yeah. Friday the 5th of January, Bologna, Genoa. Saturday, we've got Inter Verona, Frosinone, Monza, Lecce, Cagliari, Sassuolo, Fiorentina. And then on Sunday, we have Empoli, Milan, Torino, Napoli, Udinese, Lazio, Salernitana, Juventus, and Roma, Atalanta. So... Yeah, the top two should be winning those games. I think there shouldn't be any shouldn't be any problems in that. In that um, elsewhere, I mean, Milan should be beating Empoli. I mean, the top three should be winning all their all their games comfortably. Um, but then, you, yeah, the the, the 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 top four race again is going to be very very interesting. And they're all very tight games. It could go either way. Roma, Atalanta being the probably the most exciting of the lot. Yeah, and but you've also got. 
you know, Torino, Napoli, that's a tough game for Napoli. That's a tough mm-hmm. place for anyone to visit. Um, yeah, Torino are such a difficult side to break down. Yeah, especially if, you've, if you haven't scored in four of your last five games. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it's Torino is, of course, Mazzari was, was, was an ex-Torino coach. Um, but yeah, no, look, it's Lecce Cagliari is, is going to be very important for the relegation battle because Lecce are on 20 points. But if they say that they lose that, um, and Cagliari win, well, then they're just three points ahead of Cagliari and you don't know what the others might do. They might take points. So that, that's going to be very interesting as well. And Sassuolo Fiorentina, I mean, if Fiorentina win that too, then we we both have to do a mea culpa because then they will be finished the first half of the season in fourth spot. Um, and, mm-hmm. and but Sassuolo are in trouble. They they're literally in a relegation battle and they need to snap it out. And they do well against the top sides. So it's it's there's lots of talking points as always in Italian football. Yeah, no, there certainly is. Um, right, let's <coughs> finish off with Baggio, Premface, and Sedia ass of the week. Baggio, I don't think there's a standout Baggio. This week, is there? I don't think so either. I was I was struggling to find one. Mm. Um, you know what? I think I think it's going to be Aurelio De Laurentiis for me because he went out and took responsibility the way he did. I think that was important for Napoli. It was important for to create some sort of accountability and responsibility, and and I think that was important that he did what he did. Okay. Okay, I'm going to go for Lorenzo Luca because uh, I think he's had a fantastic December and he scored again, and uh, he's um, yeah, he's, he's a nice, it's a, it's a nice story, Luca. His redemption uh, this season after, like I said he, earlier, he went a whole year without scoring a goal, <laughs> basically, <laughs> so, which is just insane. How could he be a striker and go a whole year without scoring? Um, Prem face of the week. I, I've got two crackers. I've got two absolutely crackers. One's got nothing to do with football at all. Go for it. <laughs> so first Go of all, it. I'll do the football one. It. I'll do the f- football one first of all. So it's um, Prime Video Sport who were uh, broadcasting the, the West Ham versus Arsenal game in the middle of last week, which West Ham won at the Emirates. Finished 2-0, didn't it? And um, Mavrapanos, who's a former Arsenal player, um, scored scored for West Ham, scored their second goal, I believe, in that game. And so the graphic comes up, you know, the goal scorer is uh, is Mavropanos, and they use a picture of Gianluca Scamacca as his, uh, as his image. Uh, don't ask me how that is possible. How is that possible? I, I don't know. Scamacca left West Ham <laughs> last summer. Why? I, I don't know. I don't know how. I, I, I have no idea how that happens. Uh, so the funny thing is, is that, I, I, that 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 would have been used probably throughout the season. Maybe Mavropanos hasn't played much this season. I, I don't know. They've never used his graphic. I, I don't know. I don't know how that happened. So that's number one. Number two, this this is brilliant. I've wound up so many of my Italian friends with this. And um, so the yeah. <laughs> on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. The, the the government the, the British government or the or the Tory party they put out this kind of Christmas video that, that they've done um, and uh, Rishi Sunak the, the the Prime Minister was was in it and it's supposed to be a kind of like a feel good 
Christmas advert, you know, Merry Christmas from the Tories, <laughs> Merry Christmas from the from Britain from the British government, blah blah blah. And it has Rishi Sunak sitting at the table eating spaghetti, and he's pouring. I don't know what it is. It looks like syrup or something on his spaghetti. Oh man! Oh man! This I triggered, saw that, and I was like, "This triggered a lot of Italians, Nima. This really did trigger a lot of Italians." Of course it did. Of course it did. Of course it did. Italians mad at food is one of my yeah. favorite social media accounts, especially when it's Rishi um, Sunak on Twitter. I mean, he's butchered everything well, else. Now yeah, he's butchered. Italians. Now he's butchered Italian food as well. <laughs> yeah. oh, what? I, I, look, I really want to know what he's putting into it. Like, what is he? Is it vinegar? What is he doing? What it is looks, it? I don't know. It what looks is he like um, you know that syrup that you get out of those um, plastic, you know, you know those plastic, the plastic things. Uh, that's what it looks like. I, I don't know. It looks like syrup. You know that kind of. Um, brown syrup kind of but the liquidy one yeah i know i know it's, but it's sweet yeah isn't I, it? I don't know isn't don't, syrup sweet like, i don't know what he's doing it's like why would you i don't know no i i would like to know what it is he's putting into it because i saw that now I, I couldn't make out what it is it spaghetti i mean i, I don't know what he's eating no it's it spaghetti just, it looks weird it's definitely spaghetti um, it's definitely it sp- it's definitely spaghetti yeah <laughs> well probably it's not i mean it's probably like i don't know pot noodle or something if, if it's if, if he's made it well that's what i was thinking was it a pot noodle this is this is what i was thinking if it was like pot noodle or something because yeah. then that makes sense but if he's just boiled spaghetti and he's putting vinegar or syrup on it that's just so weird that's like that's how university students eat like yeah. do you know what i mean oh, like, no. just, but, but rishi sunet oh, doesn't so rishi sunet doesn't have a have a very good record when it comes to um food and, and and certainly at christmas so do you remember last year or the year like 2022 christmas he he went to visit a homeless shelter uh, in london um where they, they were oh you my know, god they were serving food the homeless the ho- <laughs> like homeless person was serving food and, and he, he starts like trying to have a conversation i say trying because sunak is so socially inept he can't even you know he can't actually literally can't have really a conversation is. with a normal person and he 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 goes to him. Um, uh, the, the guy behind him says, "Oh, something like, are you sorting out the you know the, the economy or, or the cost of living or or something?" And and he he said, uh, "Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do." Um, do you do you uh, why do you do you work in business? He said to the homeless person, "Do you work in business?" <laughs> I remember that. Do you remember that? Oh my god. Yes, oh. I do remember that. I remember I was laughing so hard. I was DMing with uh, Aaron Bastani of Novara Media. We had on the pod about that, and I just couldn't stop laughing. It's like this is, <laughs> it's like this is so removed from reality. Yes. Like, do you work in finance or whatever it was? Yeah. That I can't remember. I remember because these are the really only people he's funny. ever dealt with in his life, oh. which he's actually said on record yeah, himself yeah. as well. Like, remember that time they they found like a, a, an old clip of him from like fifteen years ago. Old like, clip. Do you remember when he goes? Oh, I've got lots of friends. I've got uh, upper class friends. I've got middle class friends. I've got lower. Uh, I've got uh, working. Uh, I've got middle class friends. <laughs> like he stopped. And said, he stopped the middle class, and like, he corrected himself because <laughs> like, he didn't have any working class friends. Oh, it's brilliant! <laughs> brilliant. Oh, yeah, yeah, food. This. Oh, and bloody so Western McKenney as well. Did you see Western McKenney? He did it again. But after ranch what did sauce, he do now? What after did he do sauce now? gate. <laughs> He he he. There's a video do? of him talking about how he he has chi- uh, p- pasta with uh, uh, he has pasta with with chicken pasta pasta sauce and chicken 
he puts chicken in it. <laughs> like, mm. And he's, then he starts hitting out at like Italians saying that people make fun of me because because of the food that I eat. But the Italians never try try the food that I make. They're, 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 they're too... I uh, hate to be on... <laughs> I, I, I hate to be on... I hate to be on Weston McKinney's no. side here, but that is something that people have all over the world. Like, that is not, not new to him. Chicken, fillet, cut and fried and you make a pasta like everyone in the world has that that's not something Weston McKinney came up with it's just that Italians don't do it and so <laughs> Italians are like again Italians angry at food is hilarious yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 and sometimes most of the time they're absolutely right but in this instance I'm like everyone else in the world has this like this is not the outrage that it is to italians like i'm sorry i hate to be that guy but it's, it's not that controversial <laughs> I'm, I'm, not like, I'm, sorry. I'm not having it i'm not having it but it's not as bad as ranch is ranch sauce it's not as bad as ranch sauce. yeah the ranch sauce thing is just not okay man that's just gross yeah and it's not not uh, syrup why would you sunak's spaghetti syrup yeah, or whatever. Syrup, <laughs> vinegar, vinegar. Exactly. I mean, chicken with, I mean, that's like, chicken goes with everything because it's a, like, it's not, it's mm. not, you know, it goes with most things, doesn't it? So it's not mm. like. Maybe that. it was gravy. It's not like. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe it was gravy on the spaghetti, <laughs> which brings us on nicely to Syria ass of the week. We've got two. Uh, the first one, mm. which was sent mm. in just now by Sunit, uh, our friend of, uh, of the show, our, uh, who's a patron. And uh, it's uh, an image on the, the Lega Serie A Twitter account of Kane and Yildiz with the caption, different gravy. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> it's not even a video, is it? It's just a photo of it's him, just isn't a photo, it? yeah. Yeah. I, I know what different I gravy mean, it's, means. It's, 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 it's an English saying. I don't know. I know what it means, you know what it is. too. Is it used in America? Yeah. But I, is I it used in America as well or not? Yeah. It is used in America. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's in North America, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like but again, it just, it's, it's he's using not doing terms. anything special. Yeah, it's but it's used in terms which people don't use around the rest of the world. Again, it's just it's not how you globalize Syria. No, but they use in America, the in North America, they use it. I mean, different fine. gravy. That's Everyone fine, knows because but, but not around the rest of the yeah. world. You know, people don't know it around. No, the world. I, I think most people know what different gravy. Honestly, I do think that most people know what different gravy means. But it's just a weird because it's it's just him standing. He's not doing anything special. Like, do you know what I mean? If you want to say different gravy, you're hyping him up. Then. Shouldn't you have a video of him doing something special? Mm. Like I don't. For, which is just which brings me nicely to the second one, which just is so I can't stop laughing at it. Our patron Renato Margiotta sent this to me with the with the with, with sent this to our um, Twitter account. Uh, DM'd it with with the with just the just a, that that tweet and the message WTF, and it sends it's a five second clip of Candreva walking in the winter. I don't know if it's pre-game. I think it's pre-game because he's wearing like warm-up track suits, like warm-up track suit. And, and he goes into the pitch and, and he's got this like, you know, how in the winter you've got like, you cover your mouth or whatever, you know, just, just like this thing to cover your mouth because it's cold. And the, can, and, and, the, and, the, and the caption just says, Kandreva channeling his inner ninja in the freezing cold. <laughs> what? <laughs> And he's not even, he's not doing something ninja. He's just walking. He's just, he's just got his face covered up to his mouth. And that's it. That's all he's got. That is all he's in the cold. That's all he's doing. Like you do, you want to do something. I don't know about it being cold or, or something. No, no, just, just, I don't know. That's it. it. Cover your face, wear a, wear a hat or anything. (laughs) You're a ninja now. According to Seria, Seria's. 
Oh, it's so funny. They do so much nonsense. It's it's really, really funny. Um, but they've improved their English, so that's good. <laughs> At least, you know, I haven't seen any Google Translate tweets for, for a while. So, you know, <laughs> progress no. slowly, but surely. No, they're just using Urban Dictionary now. So that's always a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, Maybe they use Premface. Maybe they use Premface soon. Mm, maybe if it goes into into Urban Dictionary, yeah. Well, it is there. You put it there, isn't it? No, no I didn't put didn't it there. Someone, you, someone, you... I, someone else, I know, put it, someone else, I know, put it there. But yeah, it, it is there. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> anyway, okay, oh, right. Dear. Let's leave it at that. Uh, longer show again today because we were rounding up quite uh, bloody hour, an hour and three quarters. We, these are getting longer and longer. We're gonna have to, yeah, we're gonna have to shorten <laughs> these next week. Right. Um, yeah, we'll leave it at that. So we're going to be back on Thursday for the Q&A um, this week. And then next mm-hmm. week, we're going to get back to more normal proceedings. We're going to have the, the Monday the Monday pod for reviewing the weekend. We'll do the Q&A. And then we're going to, like I said, we're, we're going to aim to be doing a, a transfer pod uh, each uh, each week for between now and the, mm-hmm. uh, the end of the, the the end of the January window. That's, that's what we're aiming for, obviously, with yeah. the transfer journalists. They're very busy, so... Yeah, we're, we're going to do our best to try and do one a week, but that's that's, that's what we're aiming for. Um, okay, right, let's leave it at that. Happy New Year once again to everyone. I hope 2024 is a, is a great year for you guys, and um, we will see you on Thursday. Until then, ciao, ciao.